Father Almighty, O Lord, the only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, O Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, that takest away the sin of the world, have mercy upon us. Thou that takest away the sin of the world, receive our prayer. Thou that sittest at the right hand of God the Father, have mercy upon us. For thou, thou only art the Lord, thou only, Christ, with the Holy Ghost, art most high, glory of God the Father. Amen. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, you have given us grace to acknowledge the glory of the eternal Trinity by the confession of a true faith and to worship the unity and power of divine majesty. Keep us steadfast in this faith and defend us from all adversity. For you, O Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, live and reign one God now and forever. The Old Testament lesson for this, the Feast of the Holy Trinity, is written in the sixth chapter of the prophet Isaiah, beginning at the first verse. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple, and above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew, and one called to another, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord, the God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke, for he said, for I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people with unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said unto me, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Blessed are you, O Lord, who beholds the deep who dwells between the cherubim. Blessed are you, O Lord, in the firmament of heaven, and greatly to be praised forever. The epistle lesson is written in the 11th chapter of St. Paul's letter to the church at Rome, beginning at the 33rd verse. 
Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom of the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how unscrutable are his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Alleluia. Blessed are you, O Lord God of our fathers, and greatly be praised and glorified forever. Alleluia. gospel is written in the third chapter of St. John, beginning at the first verse. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night saying to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born anew, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wills, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know whence it comes nor whither it goes. So it is with every one born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said unto him, How can this be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand this? Truly, truly, I say to you, We speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven, but he who has descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world through him might be saved. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ.
Whoever desires to be saved must, above all, hold the Catholic faith. Whoever does not keep it whole, undefiled, will without doubt perish eternally. And the Catholic faith is this, that we worship one God in Trinity, and Trinity in unity, neither confusing the persons nor dividing the substance. The Father is one person, the Son another, the Holy Spirit another. But the Godhead of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit is one. The glory equal, the majesty co-eternal. Such as the Father is, such is the Son, and such is the Holy Spirit. The Father uncreated, the Son uncreated, the Holy Spirit uncreated. The Father infinite, the Son infinite, the Holy Spirit infinite. The Father eternal, the Son eternal, the Holy Spirit eternal. And yet there are not three eternals, but one eternal. Just as there are not three uncreated, nor three infirmities, infinites, but one uncreated and one infinite. In the same way, the Father is almighty, the Son almighty, the Holy Spirit almighty. And yet there are not three almighties, but one almighty. So the Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. And yet there are not three gods, but one God. So the Father is Lord, the Son is Lord, the Holy Spirit is Lord, and yet there are not three lords, but one Lord. Just as we are all compelled by the Christian truth to acknowledge each distinct person as God and Lord, so we are also prohibited by the Catholic religion to say that there are three gods or lords. The Father is not made nor created, but begotten anyone. The Son is neither created nor but begotten of the Father alone. The Holy Spirit is of the Father and the Son, neither made nor created nor begotten, but proceeding. Thus, there is one Father, not three fathers, one Son, not three sons, one Holy Spirit, not three Holy Spirits. And in this Trinity, none is before or after another, None is greater or less than another, but the whole three persons are co-eternal with each other and co-equal, so that in all things, as has been stated above, the Trinity in unity and the unity in Trinity is to be worshipped. Therefore, whoever desires to be saved must think thus about the Trinity, but it is also necessary because for everlasting salvation that one faithfully believed the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is the right faith that we believe and confess that our Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, is at the same time both God and man. He is God begotten from the substance of the Father from all ages. He is man born of the substance of his mother in this age. Perfect God and perfect man composed of a rational soul in human flesh, equal to the Father with respect to His divinity, less than the Father with respect to His humanity. Although He is God and man, He is not two, but one Christ. One, however, not by the conversion of divinity into flesh, but by the assumption of humanity into God. One altogether, 
not by confusion of substance, but by unity of person. For as the rational soul in flesh is one man, so God in man is one Christ, who suffered for our salvation, descended into hell, rose again the third day from the dead, ascended into heaven, and is it seated at the right hand of the Father, God Almighty, from whence he will come to judge the living and the dead. At his coming, all people will rise again with their bodies and give an account concerning their own deeds. Those who have done good will enter into eternal life. Those who have done evil into eternal fire. This is the Catholic faith. Whoever does not believe it faithfully and firmly cannot be saved.
In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now there was a man of the Pharisees, Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. According to Martin Luther, this chapter stresses above all else the sublime topic, faith in Christ, which alone justifies us before God. The Christian life, he writes, is made up of two parts. First, of faith, then of good works. A believer must be pious and lead a good life outwardly, but the first part of faith is more essential. The second part is never equal of faith, although it is more highly prized in the world, which ranks good works above faith. So Luther preached more than five centuries ago when he was confronting the same passage that we are looking at today. And isn't that the problem, isn't it? Isn't that our mistake? That we prize good works above faith. We do. I mean, it's the reason why Jesus was rejected by his own people. And those who rejected him decided to side with the leaders of Judea and called it that who were the leaders of Judea that, that went by the name Judaizers or Judeos and then were known later as Jews. It's the reason why later the Holy Father in Rome and, and, the, and the institutional church, much of it at that time, rejected faith in terms of in, in favor of good works and so necessitated the need for a reformation. It's the reason why many groups in our world today who claim to be Christian are actually religions of works. Some of them come to your house and knock on the door on Saturday morning when you're still in your bathrobe, right? Nice people. They are nice people, but they're a religion of works. It's the reason why much of modern psychology, though very could, could be very useful at times in certain ways, can be also elevated to a religion of works. It's the reason why even contemporary politics in the United States and the rest of the world often becomes a civic religion bereft of grace or mercy or forgiveness. It's a religion of works. And the law can never save us. It can only kill us. This is an observation that Luther makes through much of his writings. And when he looked at this situation with Nicodemus, Luther observed how they... Those, those who want works overemphasize good works and entirely overlook faith. They do. They do not laud or preach God's works, but only their own. But faith should be preached above all else, Luther, Luther writes. <clears throat> it is faith that takes us into heaven. And without faith, we do not get into heaven. Faith must be, therefore be before good works. For through faith we come to God. And this is the lesson of the Gospel of John in parts to us, Luther writes, through the story of Nicodemus. Right? Because there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, of the ruler of the Jews. And, and this, this one little verse about Nicodemus, a Pharisee and a ruler of the Jews, has so much meaning packed into it. I mean, the first is obvious. He's a man a man of the Pharisees, right? And a man, and we know from Scripture, from Deuteronomy 8, 3, 
and also Matthew 4, 4, that it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And as a Pharisee, Nicodemus would have known this because the Pharisees were very good Bible students. They, they, they understood their Bible both then and now better than most pastors do. Or, college, or seminary professors. And so a Pharisee would know how God had allowed Yisrael to hunger and fed you, Yisrael, with manna which you did not know nor did your fathers know that, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Right? As an unparalleled Bible student, which is what the Pharisees were, and Nicodemus is in a leader of the Pharisees, in a leader, so he's an exemplar of what a Pharisee should be. You know, he's like the Eagle Scout of the Pharisees. He knows what, he, he, he exemplifies their, their um, virtues and dedication. He would know this. He would know that even our physical survival is a divine gift. But what about our eternal survival? Well, again, again, a good Pharisee would know that our eternal survival also must be the gift of God. That's the reason in today's gospel lesson we have Jesus quotes from the book of Numbers, the, the plague of the fiery serpents, where he says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, right? That's an incident in the book of Numbers where, where Israel rebels against God and they question God's love for them. And so God sends fiery serpents into their midst to bite them. And then when Moses intercedes, he says, God says to Moses, make a, make a bronze serpent and put it upon a pole. And whoever looks at that serpent will be saved. And that's where the idea behind the crucifix comes from, this, this idea of this work of art. It's to remind us that Jesus Christ is the one to whom we must look for to find salvation when the fiery poisons of sin are consuming us alive. And that's the reason why Jesus says in John 3 in our gospel lesson today, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal, everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. It's tragic, though, isn't it? That a lot of people think we Christians were only interested in condemning other people. We're not. We're only interested in pointing you to Jesus. You know, we condemn ourselves. We don't need other people to condemn us. In other words, God sent his son to do for us what even people like Nicodemus, a Pharisee, cannot do for himself. Because Jesus says the, the righteousness of the Pharisees is legitimately righteous. In fact, Jesus says in another part of the, of the Gospels that unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribe and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Right? So they're pretty righteous. They're about as righteous as you can get. But even their righteousness is not sufficient for God's law to be fulfilled. No. And that's the reason why another Pharisee who became a believer and follower of Christ later wrote to the churches in Galatia that man is not justified by works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. And then to the Roman church, he, he also wrote, the same ex-Pharisee wrote, that no one will be justified in his sight, by works of the law, for the law merely brings awareness of sin. 
And sadly, Nicodemus, whose very name contains the Greek word for victory, understands that he has not been victorious over his own sin. That's the reason why he quietly at night goes to seek out Jesus. Because he, he has not found a gracious God. Just like Luther, 15 centuries later, was literally driving himself insane because he too was trying to find a gracious God and could not through his own efforts. And he was part of the Augustinian order, an observant part of the order, which meant that he was somebody who was as close to a Pharisee as you could get in the, in the Middle Ages. No, Nicodemus and Luther both understood that pharisaical devotion to the law will not achieve salvation for one, for one soul. For no one can perfectly keep the law's demands. And Nicodemus was as close as you could get to it. And so because Nicodemus in his honesty with his own sin, is out of answers, just as Martin Luther was eventually later, 15 centuries later, he went to Jesus to understand where grace could be found. And before he can even form the question, Jesus cuts him off and says to Nicodemus, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Yes, Jesus answers Nicodemus' salvation uncertainties with what? With holy baptism. And yet, when Nicodemus persists in not getting it, not understanding, Jesus elaborates. He says, how can a man, because Nicodemus says to Jesus, how can a man be born again when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And then Jesus clarifies. He says, no, most assuredly, I say to you, Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. In other words, Jesus is telling Nicodemus, while he's also this morning telling us, that it is in holy baptism that God's assurance of eternal life's gift being given to us is certain. And that we know we have been given the saving faith as a gift from Jesus himself. Because the just shall live by faith. Right? And how do we know this is, this is what baptism is? Because we know that baptism is not plain water only, but it is water included in God's command and combined with his word. Yes, and the benefit of baptism, that is, it works the forgiveness of sins. It receives, it rescues one from death and the devil and gives eternal salvation to all who believe this as the promises and words of God declare. And which are these words and promises of God, you ask? Well, Christ our Lord says in Mark 16 that whoever believes and is baptized shall be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Yes, and also a former Pharisee wrote to a, a, a young believer by the name of Titus when he said that Christ, that God saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, that we might become heirs 
having the hope of eternal life. Titus 3, 5-8. Yes, that, that night, Jesus revealed to Nicodemus the answer to where he could find salvation certainty, holy baptism, which is where we, this, this, this morning, find it as well. For in baptism we are born again of water and the Spirit, and the old passes away and everything becomes new. In the name of Jesus, amen. Be with you. Lord Jesus, receive these gifts to us through the altar to preach the Holy Gospel in your name, O Lord. We pray. Amen. <coughs> I want to welcome everybody this morning. It's really great to see everyone. 
Uh, just note the blue news for this week. The only uh, correction, there's a couple corrections. One, uh, the men will not be having coffee at Jewel's. That's going to be next week, next Tuesday, not this coming Tuesday. And then Friday the 9th, there will not be Bible study at Redeemer in the morning at 6 a.m. Uh, if you think I'm teaching it, because I'm going to be, I've got uh, matins at 9 o'clock at uh, All Saints in Swanee just a couple hours later, a few hours later, and there's no way I can get back between the two in that amount of time. So um, just assume there's no Bible class on Friday for the early bird. I apologize for that, but that's um, what's going on there. And then the youth will be leaving tomorrow morning at 8.30 from the J.C. Penney parking lot in Spanish Fork. They're, they're leaving at 8.30. So if you're youth or related to the youth and you have a child going on the retreat, you need to be there really at 0800, 1, 8 o'clock in the morning, okay? Because early is on time. I mean, they're moving out at 8.30. So if you're, if you're after 8.30, you're, you're going to be left behind. If there's a problem for some reason, reach out to Amanda Ramos. She'll be back in the back after service, okay, Amanda? And you can, they can get your number, and if there's a problem, they can call you uh, so y'all can make adjustments if that's possible to make adjustments or not. Um, have a couple prayer requests. This morning, uh, a close friend of mine, you, you may know Dr. Robinson in town here, um, his uh, sister-in-law, Lisa Morrison, has been diagnosed with a very, very severe cancer. Um, it's not does not look good, and uh, down in Fort Myers, so they're requesting prayer. Also, we're still praying for Virginia Thornton, uh, Jerry Thornton's uh, mother. Jerry goes to first service, and she also has pancreatic cancer, and it's very uh, advanced. Um, they don't think there's much they can do for her. Um, but we know no word is beyond what God's ability is. And then also, we, Smitty asked that we pray for um, his brother, Bob, who will be having surgery on Tuesday. Is that right, Smitty? Okay, we'll do that as well. The Lord be with you. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For this... For, this, for the peace that is from above and for the well-being of the churches of Christ and the godly unity of Christendom, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house and for those who in faith, piety, and the fear of God offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. For Matthew and Eric, our shepherds and bishops in Christ, for all pastors and teachers and all people, let us pray to the Lord. For our nation, all our people, for our president and Congress, our governor and the legislature of Alabama, for our judges and magistrates and all who serve in public office, let us pray to the Lord. For the sick and the sorrowing, for those who mourn, for those who are in need and distress, for the homebound and the infirm, especially we pray this day for Doris and Alice, for Joyce and Mary, for Mary Alice and Mark, Eddie and Norma, for Kim and Suzette, for Stephen and Melissa, for Bonnie and Gray, for Bob and Martha and Marion and Meredith, for James and George, for Larry Dean and Earl, Suzette and Bob, for uh, Mallory and Mark, Hank and Jay, Tracy and Michelle, Carl and Karen, for Jimmy and Tina, Ainsley and Kevin, for Ron and Jesse, Ralph and Theo, Easton, Waylon and Ryan. And we also pray, Heavenly Father, for the families of our parish who mourn the death of loved ones, especially the Pierce family, the Dieterding family, the Parsons family, the Bolton and Heil families, the Blackwell family, the Cooper family, the Blunt and Davis families. And we pray, Heavenly Father, also for those in serving in our country's armed forces, especially Riley, uh, Paul, Paul, and Hayden.
And we also pray, Heavenly Father, for all of our university students, especially Minnie and, and Aiden and Jacob. And we pray, Heavenly Father, also for those to whom death is drawing near and for us all, that when our last hour shall come, we may depart this life in the confidence of the sure faith, the consolation of a right, devout, and holy hope, and in the communion of Christ, holy church, let us pray to the Lord. Lord Calling those who've gone before us in the faith and rejoice that you share with them the Sabbath rest which Christ has won for his people, that together with them we may be found faithful in the day of judgment and, and rejoice in the day of the resurrection of the dead. Let us pray to the Lord. We pray especially this day uh, for uh, Bob uh, and Lisa and Virginia. Almighty God, everlasting Father, the eternal salvation of them that believe, hear our prayers on behalf of Bob and Lisa and, and Virginia, all of which are um, facing either surgery or, are all, or facing cancers of various sorts. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you would give them aid and comfort in this their time of need that you would have mercy upon them, and we know that no word is too difficult for you, so we pray that if it be your will, you would restore them to their former health so that they may render thanks to thee in thy church. We ask this through the merits and mediation of Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. And we also pray for um, uh, the movement of our youth um, tomorrow and myself tonight as, as, as we are all heading up to uh, Suwannee and Mount Eagle area of Tennessee. Lord God, Heavenly Father, you watched over um, Abraham and Sarah in their many years of pilgrimage. You uh, guided the Magi safely to the infant Jesus and back home again without incident. We pray that you would watch over all of us from Redeemer and the other churches that are with us as we go up to Suwannee spend a week uh, a study and, and worship and, and, uh, and recreation together as Christians. We pray that you would keep us safe on the, tri on the trip, that you would keep us safe while we're at Swanee, and that you would bring us all safely home to our various parishes. We ask this in Jesus' name, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks unto the Lord our God. It is truly meet right and salutary that we should all times and all places give thanks unto thee, O Lord, Holy Father, Almighty, everlasting God, who with, the, with thine only begotten Son and the Holy Ghost art one God, one Lord, and in the confession of the only true God we worship the Trinity in person and the unity in substance of majesty co-eternal. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify thy glorious name, evermore praising thee and saying,
Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Hosanna. The Hosanna in the highest. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 